0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I truly think that today is going to be a great day for you because you are starting your day off with a little truth and a little facts. So as you walk into the door of that job today, walk in with a smile on your face because you have just stepped out of a black moment. And if your day is already over, and you have returned to your castle, slip your shoes off, fix a tidy for the body, and sit back and slip into a little darkness with Bo. You know, my friends, it is estimated that 40% of slave owners may have been white women. Most Americans, black and white, know that George Washington owned enslaved people at his Mount Vernon home. But fewer probably know that it was his wife, Martha who dramatically increased the enslaved population there. When they wed in 1759, George may have owned around 18 people. Martha, one of the richest women in Virginia, owned 84. The high number of people Martha Washington owned is unusual. But the fact that she owned them is not. Typically, slaveholding parents gave their daughters more enslaved people than land. And this came out in a book by Jones Rogers that said they were her property, white women as slave owners in the American South. And it came out in February 2019. Now, what this means is that their very identity as white Southern women are tied to the actual or the possible ownership of other people. White women were active and violent participants in the slave market. They bought, sold, managed, and sought the return of enslaved people in whom they had a vested economic interest. You see, owning a large number of enslaved people made a woman a better marriage prospect. And once married, white women fought in courts to preserve their legal ownership over enslaved people, as opposed to their husband's ownership and often won. For them, slavery was their freedom. It has been argued that most Southern white women didn't buy, sell, or inflict violence on enslaved people because this was considered improper for them. But this has been found out to be a lie, and that white women were actually trained to participate from a very young age. Their exposure to the slave market is not something that begins in adulthood. It begins in their homes when they're little girls, sometimes infants, when they are given enslaved people as gifts. Citing interviews with formerly enslaved people that the Works Progress Administration, a New Deal agency conducted in the 1930s, shows that part of white children's training and plantation management involved beating enslaved people. It didn't matter whether the child was large or small, one woman told the WPA. They always beat you till the blood ran down. As adults, white women often tore black women away from their babies so they could nurse the white mistress' baby instead. To this end, white women placed thousands of advertisements in newspapers looking for enslaved wet nurses To feed their own children and created a huge market for enslaved black women who had recently given birth. Why did these white women want black women to nurse their children? One complained she felt like continuously having children and continuously nursing her children made her a slave to her children. Some black women reported in WPA interviews that their mothers would always give birth around the same time as the white mistress, suggesting that these mistresses were also orchestrating the sexual assault of enslaved women. Now, my friends, don't statements like that just grab you by the neck. There were instances in which formerly enslaved people did in fact say that their mistresses either sanctioned acts of sexual violence against them that were perpetrated at the hands of white men or that they orchestrated instances of sexual violence between two enslaved people that they owned in hope of producing children from these acts of sexual violence. White women also fought to maintain the wealth and free labor that slavery provided them through the Civil War, and as Union troops made their way through the South freeing enslaved people, white women would move enslaved people farther from the soldier's path. One woman, Martha Gibbs, even took enslaved people to Texas and forced them to work for her at gunpoint until 1866, a year after slavery's formal abolition. After the Civil War, Southern white women sought to recreate slavery through exploitative work contracts. Some also wrote books portraying the institution of slavery as gentle and benign, the most famous being Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell, a woman born 35 years after the abolition. It was not merely white women's ideological and sentimental connections to slavery that made them defend it, Scarlett O'Hara would have been protecting her economic interests also. So there you have it, my friends. The real truth. I have often thought that the white plantation mistress led a life of complete leisure. She absolutely did nothing She didn't clean the house, she didn't cook, she didn't sew, she didn't make quilts, she didn't wash clothes, she did absolutely nothing, including not even nursing her own children. So I can understand the hatred that she felt when slavery was abolished. Because now she could no longer sit on the veranda and drink mint juleps with her husband as her enslaved people prepared their meals. I understand why her hatred for formerly enslaved people was so strong that she would tell a lie and have Greenwood, Oklahoma destroyed that she would tell a lie and have Rosewood, Florida destroyed, as well as Wilmington and other cities where killings and brutalities erupted from the words that came from her mouth. From 1865 all the way to the lie on Emmett Till in the 1950s, I understand, but me understanding in no way makes it right. I despise it. So I'm going to leave you with this message. The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read or write, but those who cannot unlearn the many lies they've been taught to believe. Until next time, my friends, it has been my pleasure.